This is Breakaway, a women's soccer podcast covering industry events, emerging teams, and the latest on league developments. Welcome your co-hosts, Megan and Chase. Hey listeners, welcome back to Breakaway. I'm your co-host, Chase. And I'm Megan. And today, we got a pretty fun topic. We're going to really dive deep into the Spanish strikes that have been happening. Strikes have come to a resolution. There have been agreements on new minimum wage payments that are going to be established, but we're going to dive into the nitty-gritty of that arrangement, really dissect all the events that have happened over the last few days, because there's been a lot that has happened, and there's a lot that is still happening. But before we dive into all of that, Megan, icebreaker question. Let's go. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I remembered the icebreaker question. Okay. Me too. We were just sitting at brunch, and I thought about this, and I said, I need to not share it. So Spotify Wrapped will be coming around the corner. What do you think your number one song is going to be? Isn't this such a good question? Honestly, <laughs> if it's based off of any of my recent song plays, it's probably the that new Dua Lipa song that was in the Barbie movie. I think yeah. I've listened to that song on repeat. More times than I can count. I literally know every single word to that song. I would not be surprised if that song pops up. But we should. there can also be a few Drake songs. I've been really feeling a lot of like Drake's older songs. We should learn the dance to the Dua Lipa song. What do you think my number one song will be? Oh, <laughs> mm. Probably something Justin Bieber. Oh, that's right, that Brazilian soccer song that makes you think of Neymar that you are obsessed with. It's like not on my on repeat. Oh, it still is on my on repeat playlist. That you, it was number one for a long time. That's why I think it's going to be. Oh, it still is. Oh, oh. Um, oh, Dance the Night by Dua Lipa is up there for me. I like your shirt, by the way. Is that the State Fair shirt? Yes, it's my State Fair shirt. <laughs> I love it. You got the sweet Martha's cookies on there. You got that one lemonade stand thingamajig. What is oh, that? Like the Home Depot bucket that you can get somewhere, but I've never seen it. Popcorn oh. and fries. It should have cheese curds. I'm surprised it doesn't have cheese curds. Mm. Um. Okay. Yeah, moving into this. Uh, our topic this week is the Liga F strikes in Spain. So... I will go over a brief kind of overview of it. So what ended up happening was the players of Liga F, which is the female version uh, or like the female professional soccer league in Spain, which is all but like five years old. Um, Not even, sorry, three. This is in their fourth year. Well, it was during 2020. So it became completely professional in 2020. And since then, the players want to see a higher minimum wage. So just some brief facts to kind of start us off here. Current minimum yearly pay was 16,000 euros. And the players wanted to raise that to 25,000 euros per year, which is equates to about 26.8K US dollars. And then 30 or 30 euros, sorry, for the following season. And then and to kind of just see it keep going up from there. And then um, what ended up being agreed upon was a minimum wage of 21,000 euros for next season. 
um, and then 22,500 for the next for 2024, 2025, and then 23,500 uh, for 2025, 2026 season. Um, so the sums rise by 2,500 euros, 2,500 euros, and then 4,500 euros, respectfully, or respective, respectfully, um, respectively. And that they're saying that that's in accordance with revenue from commercial activities. So now it has like the former wage structure has been replaced with this new arrangement. They wanted higher pay and they got it from doing a strike, just not as much as they wanted. Yeah, it's interesting. I was listening to an interview for the, the strategic director of uh, La Liga and he was saying how all of these numbers are directly tied into the revenues that these leagues make. So to put some context around, the men's league makes about 2 billion euros a year. And the women's league makes only, I believe it's 6 million euros a year. So there's quite a massive gap in the amount of revenue that these two organizations make. And he is tying that gap into the reason why the gap between the men's pay and women's pay is so large, which I mean, like to a certain extent, like, yeah, you can't really argue against that. Like if one organization is making that much more than the other, it makes sense that that former organization is going to make a lot more money. Yeah. It will be really interesting to see how many strategic partnerships are formed over the years, because that's where a lot of this new revenue source is going to be derived from the Spanish, for, well, I guess just for women's soccer in general, especially given that Spanish, the Spanish team won the World Cup. I think there's going to be a lot of future strategic partnerships. I'd be curious to see how flexible these terms are, if there's more income growth than was originally planned for if their salaries or their minimum salary would you know change in accordance with that but yeah something that i'm definitely going to keep my eye on and it it kind of sucks you know that there's such a big wage gap but at the same time i kind of understand like where they're coming from hopefully they just prioritize the growth of their women's team because the world cup proved that the spanish team has a lot of talent and a lot of growth potential so yeah to, put it, yeah, to put that into perspective, like the minimum salary for the women's league right now is 16,000 euros um, before taxes. I don't know that's known in 16,000 euros before. That's insane. You would you would have to have another job um, compared oh, no. to the 182,000, like you said previously, for La Liga. So out of the 334 female players, 80 players made under 20,000 euros a year. Well, the average salary was around 40,000 euros, according to the league. That's insane to me. So they make 42,800. That's the average salary. That's like lower than what I make. Well, definitely lower what you make, but way lower than what I make. I was like a corporate woman. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I mean, like, what what was the number that I used during our last episode? The poverty line in, Minnesota, in the United States is $25,000, I believe, somewhere around there. Some of these minimum salaries are still less than that. If you can converted into euros it's crazy that salaries are still that low given that these are professional athletes who are literally the best in the entire world arguably but i mean like you find that with other sports as well which is such a disappointment like women's basketball unfortunately you still see some huge uh pay gaps some of the pay is literally pretty equal to the pay that the women's spanish soccer players are getting so I think that's going to change over the coming years because the sport is growing so, 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 so fast. But 
making it look like you have a thought. Well, I just like don't know how the like women are ever like soccer and football, I should say internationally, like the salaries that some of these players are getting. I mean, La Liga is actually pretty low in terms of pay for their players compared to like the Premier League and obviously the Saudi League and and probably like League One in France too. Like, I mean, like those leagues make stupid amounts of money. Yeah, but okay, but Real Madrid is a huge team. So is Barcelona. So I don't think you can necessarily like in the in the past years, like COVID really helped the Premier League, and they've always been really big. But I feel like Spain, it's been like Germany, Spain, and England that have like the best leagues. But as of late, like you see it even in Germany too, like. It just seems like the Premier League's taking over and it seems like, you know, Saudi's getting more and more people. And it's like, how are we ever going to be able to pay women equally if these men are getting so like it's getting so skewed to the point where it's like, how are we ever going to catch up? Because like I remember seeing that thing about who was the player that went to the Saudi League that was going to make more than. Why am I blinking? I'm so embarrassed. Oh, I think it was the messy um I think it was Lionel Messi's like uh, bid or what would you call that? Yeah, oh. no, I'd, I'd say bid. And yeah, he was going to make if he would have chosen to go to the to Saudi Arabia, he would have made so much more money. Well, than what he currently did by playing for Inter Miami. That isn't what I was going for, but that is true. <laughs> I just thought like, what you're going for. I was I saw an article about how like what he was going to make in one year in Saudi was more than lebron james has made in his entire career and that like really put it into perspective for me of like i see our american athletes like people in the nfl and you know basketball and i see them and i'm like wow they're making so much money like i think about how you know if you have a quarterback on an nfl team and you only have like a certain salary cap so if you're paying them more then you pay other players less and things like that that doesn't happen in most soccer leagues I know La Liga has put in some harsh financial controls that have put Barcelona kind of under the water a little bit. And so they're getting that way. But I'm like, how can the women ever catch up if like these men are making more in one year than LeBron James has made his entire career? Like that was like so shocking to me. Like he might have made, you know, his net worth or whatever, you know, the finances more than me. Like it might be more because of his like endorsements and other things that he gets money from. But like his pure... His pure salary from the NBA has never even leveled up to that. So how are, as women in soccer, that aren't, like, the revenue isn't, like you said, about La Liga versus Liga F, like, there's a huge discrepancy there. So how are we going to ever bridge the gap? I don't know if there will be, but obviously, like, at least give them a living salary. <laughs> yeah, I I can only speculate, but my mind goes to viewership. I mean, when you, a lot of people who... You know, a lot of general fans out there, you know, they may, you might not be like a diehard soccer fan, but you might be familiar with some of the players on these teams and you're going to pay to attend these games to watch those very specific players. I think that's why you see some players make so much more money than a lot of their counterparts is because they have become the face of their team. They're almost becoming like a national brand and people are willing to pay a ton of money just to see them in person. Yeah. I think that's what it's going to take for the women's side and to get those increased viewerships. I think you're going to have to see a lot more strategic partnerships happening. You know, a lot of 
more news coverage covering these female athletes really telling their stories and i think it's going to take some time for these stories to really sink in to a lot of us because as we've mentioned before women's soccer well i guess women's sports in general receives such fewer coverage minutes or however you want to measure it than the men's team and because of that it creates a huge limitation on how well you can convey and create these stories of yes. these athletes. So I think as you increase coverage and you increase viewership, you're going to develop these stories and allow people to develop, you know, emotional connections and really look up to these to these uh, athletes as heroes that to a certain extent have that grow over time. And then as that grows, you know, their personal branding just becomes that much more valuable and people are willing to pay to see their games and I think that's kind of what it's going to take I think there's like a multitude of of factors that come into play to create that I think it's just uh the biggest constraint is is uh is time so I think as long as things keep going in the way that they are I mean like as crappy as the situation is with the world cup it brought a crap ton of attention to women's soccer and now I guarantee you if you ask anyone who is remotely familiar with soccer the name Jenny Hermoso is going to be pretty well known to them. Um, I mean, an unfortunate story this is, but it has received a crap ton of coverage. She has received a crap ton of support. It it at least drew in eyes to women's soccer. So, yeah, that's, it's, my, that's my hot take. I think um, this will provide some... Not what's the word I'm looking for? I was going to say substance, kind of. Um, some backing in terms of what we're talking about. So Pedro, I'm going to mess this last name up so bad. Vilches. I'm trying to think of how it would be in Spain. Vil, it's not Vilches. So, okay, Vilches, um, <laughs> the <laughs> chief executive of Liga F, he was definitely making some claims or some arguments in terms of, of uh, Liga F stance on this. So he wanted to point out like winning the women's world cup was extraordinary success which no one is really talking about because of Luis Rubiales and how he wants to focus more on that but they're also like need to be honest with where La Liga or Liga F is um and he also talked about how there is a big struggle in even a soccer crazed country like Spain that um, they are having trouble even getting games televised for Liga F. There's not meant much attention from local sports media, so they're trying to increase that. And really just thinking about the fact that Real Madrid, the biggest team in Spain, uh, I shouldn't have said that, that's kind of hot take right there, um, but one of the two biggest teams in Spain only made a women's team in, in 2020, was the first year. So they're still like, think about how new and fresh this league is, they can't get anything like any coverage like you can't even start to get get anywhere if news coverage is you can't even watch the games on TV like what are you going to do that you have to get to the, you have to get to the Champions League stage to even like compete even like uh, you know have a voice and that's kind of where he goes to say that Barcelona is the only place to really set up for that's really based off of a good foundation to have a good team and that's only because they've won so many champions league and have a two-time ballon d'or winner yeah and honestly you you echoed a point that i I was wanting to make is that i think this really does start with increase in sports coverage of these teams because if you can't give access to 
fans to watch these players and to learn who they are and grow up with them, you can't go anywhere. So I think that's where it really has to start. I feel like naturally that's where you're going to see a lot of these new partnerships kind of focus their attention around is, you know, trying to resolve that issue per se. Um, So if I had to make any predictions, that's where I think it's going. Well, we would hope it's going that way. I mean, I was talking to someone actually about NFL tickets, but I think it kind of is applicable in terms of like actual ticket sales and uh, game day cover or game day in person really is only like a sliver of the money these teams make uh, and how like viewership really does matter way more than anything else. And I think if you only can go to these games like that is also impactful. And I think about all these U.S. women's national team players that went to the 99 World Cup and and saw it happen and they're now playing for the team like it is super important. Um, but in order for the game to grow exponentially and, and to reach, you know, the Spanish public who got to see their team win a World Cup, like you have to have coverage and you have to have it's my gut is like, yes, the news and like sports coverage is the most important because you need to be, you know, holding um, the news pa- news stations accountable to give airtime to women's sports, which we've gone through in terms of like you're really passionate about that of, um, you know, how much coverage do they get and how is the storytelling behind the players? And that all does start with the news. But I will say we like you have also said of like these partnerships and getting those advertisements and those sponsors that really do care about women's sports and that's going to help further it too. And I think it's a combo of both. And unfortunately, but like selling out the Bernabeu isn't going to save Liga F. It's going to be the viewership. And I think if game day attendance has spoken anything is that there is increased demand, growing demand. We've seen so many uh, attendance records being broken this year, especially in NWSL. We broke the amount of attendees this season than we had last season. And like we, we broke it with a number of weeks still remaining in the season, which is super exciting. But I still think it's going to be quite a battle. I would be really curious to learn what the standard contract looks like between these broadcasters and men's sports, because if you think about it, if you want to increase women's coverage, you have to decrease men's coverage. And I'm not sure how these contracts are structured, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're pretty strict and really hard to crack through because they do make a lot of money. I don't really know what that looks like, but again, I think it's going to force the time that these events roll out to be a bit longer than I'm afraid some people are going to anticipate. But hopefully it starts heading in that direction. I think it has. I think the news is starting to, you know, the reasons for giving more men's coverage and women's coverage is slowly being chipped away at as we see all these attendance records being broken. I mean, like, you know, this isn't soccer, but with the U.S. opener for tennis, if you look at how many viewers the or the final match on the women's tournament, it was over a million more views than the men's tournament. Yep. Like, the demand is there, not just with soccer, but with women's sports in general. And these news outlets are going to, I hope they're forced to 
shift some coverage over where viewership is. I think as long as we keep these viewership numbers high and continue to grow them, the news is not going to have any choice. They're going to have to shift a fair amount of coverage away from men's sports and towards women's sports. I'm sure there's some some way to, you know, obviously keep it a lot more even, like increase women's coverage without taking away from the men's side too much. But that is a factor that I think our listeners should be cognizant about and why it might take longer than we anticipate. You have to fight through all those contracts and kind of just break the norm a little bit. And I don't know. I mean, that's just complete speculation right there. But I think you, when you think of like broadcasting though and splitting time, I think of like the normal TV schedule, which you don't, with like streaming, it's a lot different because I think about Paramount Plus and how they have the Champions League uh, for men's. They have those few people that are like the same people every time. And I, if I, it's a lot of famous people from England and I don't know who they are. One of them is Jamie Kerrigan. I know him. And then I could picture the other ones. And uh, Terry, or Terry Henry was on there before, but now he's a coach for France. Anyways, but like if you're streaming, like you could just have additional, like an additional streaming um, people, like an additional team that did women's, which wouldn't be the same as like ESPN's certain amount of the time they have every day on, you know, on a televised service so i think there's there's definitely room to like add more without sacrificing men it's not like if they covered the the women's champions league in europe that they couldn't cover the men do you know what i mean like i think yeah i mean like yeah but it helps. Think, like, the reality is, is like the more coverage you give women's sports the less you know hypothetically the men are going to receive which i think is where a lot of the conflict is going to brew and i think that's going to be like a huge fighting point. Um, it's probably, in my opinion, one of the biggest things that's holding back the women's coverage space is just that fear. I mean, I, t- I could totally be so wrong. Like I said, I don't understand how these broadcasting rights are structured, but that's just where my mind goes into why we haven't just seen like this happen on a much faster scale, given that this woman's site is growing as fast as it is. You think coverage would be following that at a pretty similar rate. Yeah, I wish like it was more accessible for me to watch like European women's soccer too because I would love to watch like the UEFA Champions League and um, the women's league in the UK too I think would be very fascinating to watch but um, I don't think I can scream it. I think I'm like I would love to watch the Arsenal women and uh, I don't know if I can which is an issue in itself because I'm pretty involved with watching soccer so you would think I would see it yeah yeah I don't know but we also are in the United States we are not in England I don't know like That's what the, <laughs> if it's better over there or not but well actually um do you have any closing thoughts about I have one closing thought that we can end with you, you go ahead oh okay great well it's not about Spain I think what Liga F did um, was really cool to see them take a stand and, and sit out on some games and have them delay that um, in the wake of Jenny Hermosa's incident with Luis Rubiales and and all of that that went down there. I'm really proud of those girls and I think of those women. And I think it was really cool what they stood up for. Um, but thinking about those thoughts that we had about viewership and, you know, just accessibility to things. I just wanted to close out with the thought that Arsenal have been a powerhouse in the past few years and they are out of the Women's UEFA Champions League. 
Oh, no. And the group stage. Dang. I'm so Fortunately, sad. I'm not an Arsenal fan, so I don't care. <laughs> I know you are, though, so I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. I can see how disappointed you look at me right now. <laughs> it is a bummer. I will say they are a good team, so that is a bummer. They have Leah Williamson, like my favorite non-US player, I think. Oh, well, there's always next year, Megan. But um, we will be back next week talking the latest on league developments. Yeah, whatever those may be. We haven't decided what we want to cover yet, but we will be back with our regularly scheduled programming. Yes. Thank you for listening to Breakaway. Yes, as always, we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate us and leave us a review. Your feedback helps us improve and reach more listeners like you. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at Breakaway Podcast, for updates on our latest episodes and behind-the-scenes content. We appreciate your support and hope you'll join us for our next episode.